Swinet. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. You can have a state-of-the-art research facility or even the best ideas in the world, but if you don't have a good research staff at the SLAT level, you don't have much. And so it's about people and the role of the research staff is to accurately collect you know, measurement data at the farm, transfer that information timely to key stakeholders. Swinet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative sponsors like NutriQuest, experts serving producers and delivering breakthrough solutions. Genesis, the first power in genetics. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Every Pig, a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Gestal, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Welcome to Swine Podcast. My name is Marcel Gonçalves, your host for today's episode. This episode's sponsor highlight is about Zinpro. Since 1971, Zinpro Corporation has focused on one thing, trace mineral nutrition. As the most research-proven organic feed trace mineral products in the industry, Zinpro Performance Minerals deliver performance and profitability to swine operations around the globe. To know more, go to Zinpro.com. Hello everyone. Today our guest is Dr. Aaron Games on the topic driving innovation in a production system. How are you, Dr. Games? Uh, doing very well, Marcio. Thanks for your time and uh, uh, looking forward for the conversation. Same here. So the first question, Aaron, as always, is uh, just share with the audience, you know, about yourself, your career so far, and uh, what uh, you're up to. Well, I grew up in uh, rural northeast Missouri uh, in a town called Shelbina and uh, actually started working with pigs uh, during high school. And basically, uh, there was a local farmer uh, that backgrounded cattle and had 100 sows fair to finish on pasture. And so um, gave me the opportunity to work with with pigs. I primarily worked around cattle. And so uh, looking back on this, you know, uh, situation in high school, it was certainly probably the beginning when I started developing a passion for the swine industry and uh, subsequently after high school, went to the University of Missouri, uh, got my bachelor's and then uh, went out in the industry, industry for a couple of years and returned and got my master's and PhD in animal sciences again at the University of Missouri. And I've been in the industry for uh, nearly 20 years and I've uh, held positions at professional swine management, uh, United Animal Health and the Mashoffs. And today, uh, I'm a managing partner of Anatech. I uh, started Anatech a couple of years ago. And Anatech is focused on new products for the livestock industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also do product development uh, for the hunting industry. And that goes back to kind of a second passion besides pigs, and that's mm-hmm. hunting and deer. So I think some people are, are aware of that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I tell everybody that the pigs pay the bills, but uh, the deer are sometimes a nice getaway from pigs. So um, I've got a wife, Selena, and two kids, uh, Kaylee and Hannah, and uh, we reside uh, out in the country uh, in northeast Missouri. So cool. Yeah, thanks for that. And, and uh, yeah, I think, I've, you know, everyone uh, is aware of, you know, your very, very nice journey there at Mashoffs. But uh, yeah, the 
the deer side of things it's it's so cool and and one comment i have there is and like me today right i do some other things too like real estate and and i think sometimes we think that oh we just need to do what we learned or went to grad school for but i think uh, life is sometimes is you know you can expand without feeling guilty is my my take yeah and frankly i'm leveraging a lot of the learnings from the swine industry over on the deer side so it's it's kind of a nice uh nice synergy between the the two areas uh, to leverage knowledge across one area to another. So that's been good. Very nice. Well, so let's jump into the topic, um, Dr. Gaines. Uh, The first question is uh, when you think about innovation in a production system, how do you prioritize uh, research ideas? Yeah, well, as you know, Marcel, with researchers, there's typically no shortage of, of good ideas. However, there's usually limited resources, whether that's facilities, time or money, or maybe all three. Uh, so we have to be really disciplined in prioritizing uh, those ideas and focusing on the ones that really matter to the business. And so looking back on kind of how I tackled this in my past life, uh, really to prioritize ideas, uh, we attempted to put these into a prioritization matrix that really considered uh, three three critical pieces, uh, one being uh, profit potential. So what did the idea bring in terms of profit per animal? Mm-hmm. Uh, that could either be through cost reduction or through revenue generation of that technology or idea. And then the second piece was what's the probability of success? Was it low, medium, or high? And some of that would be based off, was there a previous research done or not? Obviously, if there's previous findings that showed a positive response to the idea, the probability of success would obviously rate higher in that scenario. And then uh, the other uh, piece is the difficulty level for implementation uh, within the production system. Uh, Certain technologies are are easier to implement uh, than others, and so we'd rate the difficulty level for implementation. So an example, you know, of a technology to be easy to implement, a lot of the things that we put through the feed mm-hmm. were easier to implement than perhaps uh, a reproductive technology that was more front and center at the farm, had to go across multiple farms uh, from a training standpoint. Uh, and so once we kind of work through profit potential uh, and rating that in terms of low, medium or high, Probability of success, again, was it uh, low, medium, or high? And then difficulty level, uh, we'd basically score those. Ideas that had the highest score would be the ones that we focused on for the business. Yeah, very, very systematic and and makes uh, total sense. Um, Once you get that research going and you get the results, uh, how do you tie that with uh, the company's uh, profitability? Well, from my perspective, it's absolutely critical that the research ties to company profitability. I think the research team has to be viewed as a valuable resource to the organization. Uh, they just can't be the the department that just does research without any impact to the company. And so to tie research results to company profitability, you really got to take those ideas, implementation of those ideas have to be built into the annual financial budget as well as individual performance goals. And what this does is it forces accountability of the research team to ensure delivery of those ideas back into the business that help company profitability. And as I indicated earlier, the research team now becomes a valued resource 
to the production team in terms of driving company profitability within the system. Very, very nice. Yeah, definitely a big challenge to to connect the two, but that makes sense as well. And and how um, how do you think about mortality and morbidity? You know, we all know it's one of the biggest factors there when looking at uh, profitability. How do you measure that effectively from a large scale research standpoint? Well, we put a lot of focus on growth and fee conversion measurements and research trials. However, there's a lot of instances where we miss out on measuring other economically important traits such as mortality and morbidity. And, you know, you and I have both probably seen examples where a technology may yield a positive result in a research trial with respect to growth performance. But when you put that technology in the field, it fails uh, as it relates to higher mortality and morbidity. And those are very economically important traits that can be significant dollars for a production system. So this simply could have been a result of, you know, mortality or morbidity measurements uh, were not measured mm-hmm. uh, in that trial or the, were they measured properly in a research setting? Because the challenge with measuring mortality and morbidity uh, in a research setting is the number of experimental units needed to pick up differences across treatments. And this is where a power test calculation comes in handy for a binomial trait like mortality. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at you know, nursery mortality, for example, and you typically run 3% nursery mortality and you're trying to pick up a 1% difference in mortality, it's going to require almost 4,000 pigs per treatment group to pick up differences amongst those treatments. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's huge. Right. And, um, it's, you need very unique setup. Um, I've said that before. I mean, I think the U.S. is very privileged, if you will. A lot of the production systems have very large-scale facilities. Um, South America, I'm not aware yet of a large-scale facility, especially if you calculate the number of sows on the production system to the number of pigs on trial. I, I very always got very impressed with the the way the, the U.S. set up. Yeah, and then the other piece of this is most commercial research facilities don't have enough experimental units to detect these smaller differences. And, you know, so that really moves you to needing to set up field research trials within the production system where there's a large enough sample size to detect those differences. And that can be done on the same production site, whether that's replicated within room or across rooms or even replicated across multiple barns. Uh, But again, it just, I think it's a very important measurement that we need to be looking at more closely uh, particularly with an industry that has significant mortality losses from birth to weaning. Right. And you bring an interesting point. Yeah, sometimes, and, and it's funny because the la- last few episodes uh, we discussed about like, you know, one barn versus the other is not good, but uh, we need to make it clear that if you have 20 barns sometimes, depending on the power tests, but 20 versus 20, if it's blocked by feed mill and other things and south farm flows and things like that, that is a very powerful design. Would you agree with that? Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, those field research trials can be set up in a controlled manner to measure mortality, morbidity. Uh, if done right, they can be very, very important pieces to the equation on measuring mortality, morbidity, and not just growth performance data. Very nice. How about the staff? Uh, what's the role of the research staff? Aaron? Well, um, you know, good research staff at the farm level will determine whether you have good research or not. Um, you can have a state-of-the-art research facility, uh, 
are even the best ideas in the world. But if you don't have a good research staff at the slat level, you don't have much, frankly. And so it's about people and the role of the research staff is to accurately collect, you know, measurement data at the farm, transfer that information timely to key stakeholders. And as you go to staff a facility uh, to collect that data, you need to make sure those people that are running the facility have the right technical and behavioral competencies needed to be successful in that role. Mm-hmm. You know, our jobs as, as leadership, we need to make sure that the research staff that's collecting that data understands the importance of their role to company profitability and similar to other people that are part of uh, the research department. You know, they need to have performance goals tied to uh, certain research metrics and company profitability. Yes, that makes total sense. Let me ask you something around that topic. Um, what do you look as far as traits? What would be the, the two or three key traits there for uh, the research staff? Well, I mean, on the technical um, competencies, you know, you'd want somebody that has, you know, perhaps some experience in running trials in terms of understanding experimental design and the importance of data collection if they've had previous experience collecting data on farm. Uh, that'd be a technical competency you'd want to look for. And then behavioral competencies would be things like, uh, you know, attention to detail. How effective are they at communicating to others in the organization? Maybe problem solving. As you know, when you're doing uh, data collection on farm, there's there's things that are not maybe identified in the research protocol. And that person that's run that trial really needs to be in a position to to problem solve and have the technical acumen to, you know, fill in the blanks, if you will. Mm-hmm. Protocol only tells you so much. And so uh, uh, that becomes critical to make sure you have a, a person that can make those decisions and have a successful trial, make the right decisions. Very nice. Just some examples. I mean, there's certainly yeah. several more, but that just kind of gives you a flavor of, you know, what type of people that, that you want running these facilities. But like I said before, um, like anything in pig production, you know, it's about having good people. Uh, that's where it starts. Yes, I probably would add, uh, like you said, there's variation there, but I'd say a sense of urgency as well, right? Have that sense of urgency of execution. Yeah, absolutely. Very nice. Anything else on the topic of innovation in production systems, Aaron, before we move to the three questions we ask every guest? Uh, I think I'm good, Marcio. Very nice. It is time to our famous three. So the first one, Dr. Gain, is uh, what's your favorite uh, pig-related book or resource? Well, uh, there's several good books out there, uh, as you know, and I know previous uh, guests have identified uh, several of those books. But one of the books that sticks out to me uh, was the uh, book uh, edited by Dr. Patience, and that's Feed Efficiency in Swine. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of good information on approaches there to maximize feed efficiency. Uh, particularly when, you know, particularly given the impact of feed cost on a system's profitability. So I tend to, I read that book and a lot of times I go back to that just as a refresher on certain concepts and approaches. It's a very cool book. I like the the fact sheets as well that they, they have, uh, I believe they still have on the website. Yep. How about uh, your favorite book or resource in general? Well, um, as you'd expect, I read a lot of swine-related resources, uh, but outside of work, I tend to gravitate 
toward books on whitetails, uh, given my passion for hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, interestingly, I just wrapped up a book that's not related to whitetails, and that was uh, uh, it's an older book. It's uh, Trump: The Art of the Deal. Oh, okay. And uh, I don't know if you've read that or not, but I re- I got it for Christmas and uh, finally got through it uh, the other night. But really does a good job of providing examples of how um, Donald Trump runs a business and how he runs his life. And obviously, um, he applies a lot of these principles and strategies to run the country today as president. So it's an interesting read. Yeah, very nice. Is that the one written by his lawyer or that's a different one? Yeah, he's got uh, the one that's actually co-authored uh, with him and uh, Tony Schwartz. That's cool. And last one is, what do you think sets apart uh, successful swine professionals from those who are not? Yeah, uh, for me, the thing that sets apart successful swine professionals from those who are not is the ones who focus on developing themselves and, more importantly, uh, developing others they work with. Um, as I look out across the industry of people that, that I view as successful, uh, to me, those are the people that have really done a nice job on leadership development for themselves and for others. That's great. Well, as always, Dr. Gaines, very, uh, very profound words. I, I've always been a fan of, of yours uh, for a long time, so I really appreciate your time here today. Thanks for the opportunity, Marcio, and uh, you got a great uh, program and a lot of good information for the swan industry. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Please share our episodes with as many people as you can so we can continue to impact the life of swine professionals from around the globe with the wisdom of our great guests. Before you go, make sure to get in our waitlist for the Swine Talks Web Conference, the first online conference of the global swine industry, an update on hot topics, and we even gonna have some controversial topics of the global swine industry. So you can leverage that knowledge in your day today. Go to swinetalks.com and get on our waitlist. We'll talk soon.